Hey, thank you for choosing the Reflection Lounge. I just want to say I'm very grateful that you have chosen to listen to this episode. You can listen to this episode and any other episode every Monday night from 7 p.m., Tuesday night, 7 p.m., Wednesday night, 7 p.m., and on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. on the futurenetworkradio.org. That's Future Network, spelled N-E-T-W-R-K, radio.org. Hey, it's live, uncensored, and it's just the way you want it. I am the professor. I hope that you click in and join me on my next live episode next Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Take care. The professor. Uh huh. The professor. Let's get it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that beautiful. Nah, you say it. Come on. Welcome. You are now entering into the Reflection Lounge, a place for us to get connected with our thoughts and feelings. In the lounge, we will recognize that we are destined to succeed by investing in others and ourselves. Now introducing your host, Say it. The Professor. Let's get it. The Professor. Let's get it. Let's get it. Listen, listen, listen. Come on now. Good evening, good evening. Welcome to the Reflection Lounge. Tonight... We have a special, special show for you tonight. It's going to be a little different tonight because uh, this, what we're going to be talking about tonight has a lot of meaning. So we don't want no distractions. We're not going to go through any distractions today. We just want to have a straight, straight talk. Um, I have Miss Braxton with me tonight. And as all of you know, if you've been checking out social media or checking out your, your phones or any way that you get connected, we have a very special, special show for you tonight. It's called God is Not Through With Me Yet. I don't care what anybody say, think, or do. But God is not through with me yet. As we continue today, I just want to let you know that I have Miss Braxton in the studio. Miss Braxton, how are you doing today? I'm blessed. I'm doing um, pretty good, I must say. I have really no room to complain. None whatsoever, huh? None whatsoever. I mean, I can complain, but why? Well... That's true. That's true. What What is there to complain about? I mean, we have things that we can complain about and we have things that, you know, hey, at the end of the day, you know, who's going to listen, right? Right. I will listen to you. <laughs> and that's what I'm here for. I'm here to listen to you tonight to tell your story so you can give God all the glory. How about that? Amen. All right. So, like, so, give me a, who, who, who's Miss Braxton? Give me the full run over who, who you are. Um, I know you're from Virginia, you know, and I know a little bit about you, but the audience don't really know much about you. So, who are you? Uh, well, I'm an independent, well, black woman from um, Farmville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I have uh, three children. I've mm-hmm. taken on a lot of other children. I've adopted a few in my days as well. Um, I've been working it for the juvenile corrections for about 15 years. Um, I also mentor and advocate, uh, you know, those who have survived domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse as well. Okay. So- I'm the president and founder of a social club that was established in 2016. Does that does the same thing? Educate, advocate, and mentor. Wow! Wow! And you founded this what year? 
and 2016. Okay, and what's the name of it? It's called the Royal Jewels Social Club. The Royal Jewels. Jewels. J E W E L Z. Yes. Social Club. Yes. Awesome. Because I, I, I want to say this throughout the night so we can we can continue to broadcast what you do. Listen, I want to I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you know, tonight is a night that your message is going to reach somebody. You know that, right? And, and that's in my prayers, and that's definitely my mission. Well, um, to use, be able to use the things that I've went to to help, mm-hmm. you know, to help somebody who may be going through the same things at this moment. Okay. Well, guess what's going to happen. What's going to happen? We, we're going to receive a little adversity in the process because at the end of the day, the enemy is not going to want somebody to get this message today. But I know for a fact, when you finish talking, somebody's going to be delivered. Somebody's going to hear you. Right. So that's going to tr- happen. And I truly believe that uh, where God is, God is never in the midst of confusion. So, Mm. you know, if I've already prayed um, before I even started the podcast that Mm -hmm. whatever comes up against us, that God casts it out. Because I know that there are some things that we're going to talk about that the devil don't want, Mm. you know, you guys to hear. Mm -hmm. It's called deliverance. It's called deliverance. And it's going to happen tonight. It's going to happen tonight. Um, So let's 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 start from Genesis. Can we do that? Can we start yes. from the beginning? All right. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, I know a little bit about you, and I know the people that work with you know a little bit about you, but the rest of the audience don't know who Ms. Braxton is. Right. Can you tell them a little bit about the little Miss Braxton before she became the big Miss Braxton? <laughs> the little Miss Braxton, um... The little Miss Braxton had to basically grow up without a mother. Um, she was, my mother was murdered around when I was around the age of eight. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much when the hell began in my life as far as the the molestation and the rape and all of that. Um, a few years later, I think I was around 11, my father was murdered. So I was just that little, felt like that little orphan girl, you know, mm-hmm living in a house because it was never a home um, where people are promised to take care and protect but you know those horrible things happen under the, the, the roofs and the you know the custody of those that were supposed to protect me wow wow and how long did that go on for um, the molestation started around 7 um, and it ended around 11 and I was raped at 12 by another um, individual close friend of the family. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So l- let me ask you a question, you know, because every time I hear your story, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you because I'm not going to pull punches. I mean, I, I it, it throws me for a loop because I'm like, when I talk to you, I mean, you're the second person I talked to, and he's just so calm about it. You're like it's just like it's like you're unfazed by what you're saying. Talk to me about that. Like, take me through the process of how you got to where you at right now, because somebody need to understand that right now. 
It's definitely a process. Um, I wasn't always this this calm. I went through years and years of anger. Um, I've plotted a few a few murders. I mean, it was a lot of things, contemplated uh, suicide, all of that. Um, I went through the drug abuse. Um, I just went through some phases to get to where I am. And I realized, you know, and it was a lot of self-pity. Once I stopped feeling sorry for myself, I realized I had to do something. You know, I had to do something because I just refused. I didn't want people around me, the ones that I love, to be able to, you know, to go through some of the things I went through. Mm. I, I, I was thinking, you know, maybe if I can get it out, maybe if they know the things that happened and how I got through it, that mm-hmm. I could save somebody. So I went from being from pitying myself to becoming, you know, trying to become a superhero, I guess. Right. And a superhero you are becoming because you now becoming a voice for a lot of young ladies or even not just young ladies, but ladies that has been going through the same thing you've gone through. Um, Let me ask you, in your your journey, have you encountered any male figures that um, went through the same thing you went through? Um, I have um, within the same within my family Hmm. um, the perpetrator you know it came out years years later but yes wow yes wow so you know I gotta ask this question forgiveness have you ever had a chance to forgive the perpetrators that, that, that violated you as a young age um just recently actually um my first encounter was probably about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about it, when I after because this happened to me, I was an overprotective mother, mm-hmm. so I kind of stole a lot of my kids' childhood because I was afraid mm-hmm. to let them stay after school. I was afraid mm-hmm. to let them go to a family member's house because these things happened to me in family members' houses. Mm-hmm. So and overnight stays camping, like I, I robbed mm-hmm. my kids of all of that. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, Yes, and it definitely had an effect on the decisions and choices I made in reference to my kids um, because I didn't, I, I knew that I had to protect them by all means. And in my heart, if they left my sight or was not around me a certain period of time, that gave somebody the opportunity to do something and I wasn't there. Wow. Yes. Wow. So that, that leads me to the trust factor. Now, in relationships, I'm pretty sure you encounter relationship, you have kids and things of that nature. What was the trust factor like for you? Um, it was I watched everything. Mm-hmm. Um I, Yeah, I was re- I would really watch everything like when it came to even when the when my daughter was young, you know, changing diapers and stuff like that, I didn't change diapers in 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 front of a male. I didn't allow my children to sit on males' laps, whether it was my brother or my mm-hmm. uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I didn't want to. I didn't know, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I just didn't know and, I, and not knowing I didn't want to put anything past anybody mm-hmm. so to avoid and putting my children in a situation I just avoided a lot of those things I never let my kids um, sleep in the bed with me mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that exposed me to molestation is mm-hmm. sleeping 
in you know in the bed with my aunt and her boyfriend and you know that's when things happen so those are the things I remember so I didn't want you know to <laughs> even I just didn't want to to even put my children in that situation gotcha. not saying that he would have mm -hmm. but I can't say that he would enough uh. wow yeah well listen your bravery to talk about your story uh, is, is is commendable I just want to say that to you first and foremost and and the lives that you're touching, let me just tell you, God has a purpose for you, you know, and I know every time we go through things and sometimes it just seems like, you know, we don't know why we're going through this. We don't know what the purpose is behind it, but somebody need to hear your story and somebody need to hear your voice. Your voice is going to carry that individual out of the wilderness tonight and for nights to come because I believe like you know I, I listen to you you know and I, I I told you yesterday like when I was talking to you like listen I can talk to you for for a minute because you got you got days of information I do you know? and I got it's not just information it's life experiences Ex okay um Yes, because um, when I talk to people, I'm not telling them anything that I heard or anything that somebody told me. Anything that I share in reference to domestic violence or sexual assault or child abuse, I'm telling you from my life experiences, mm -hmm. um, personally and indirectly, meaning, you know, my family members that's around me that we, you know, we endured it together. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't happening to me, it was happening to my first cousin, mm -hmm. you know. Wow. Listen, let me let me ask you this question. You know, um, what? Let me. We were talking about when you were seven years old. This started. Like, yes. Think back to that age when you were seven years old. How how did you manage? Did you tell anybody? Like, did anybody believe you? Like, like, walk me through your mindset at that time. And and it was kind of crazy um, because um, when I think back, I can remember. I can remember everything that was going on. I remember it was a Halloween night um, and it was all the adults there. My mother was alive at that time. Um, they didn't want to take us trick-or-treating so they made all these candy bags for all the kids. So the adults were sitting around drinking and when it was time to go to bed, you know, all the adults, you know, everybody just kind of scattered out in different places in the house. Mm -hmm. And I remember ending up having to sleep with my aunt and her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I remember... Um, sleep into the back side of the wall and him in the middle and her on the front mm. um and pretty much that's when it when it all began i remember the um the fondling i remember feeling things that i didn't know exactly what it was but i knew that it wasn't right and i remember yelling out for my mother and he kind of over talked me as mm. if okay you want some more candy you can get up and eat some more candy so it went from um him over talking me to tell that particular day to offer me whatever kid loves candy wow. so that kind of that particular day kind of like vanished and then not long after that my mother passed so that's when it really kicked up a notch with the molestation hmm. Hmm. now I, I said something to you before and you you hit me with with a word and I'm gonna hit you with a word so you can hit me back with that word, okay? Because I, I, I told you, I said you blew me away with that because I never looked at it at that point. When you was telling me about 
your mother passing. You know, I, I don't I don't want us to go into that unless you feel like you want to go into that. But that's. that's oh, no, I'm fine with it. What? What, whatever you need, I got it. <laughs> oh, you, you, you sweet, you sweet, you sweet. All the way from Virginia, you sweet. Um, um, well, I know we talked about a little bit about your your mother passing because you know she was in a uh, an abusive relationship, right? Right. And I said generational curses, and you said I don't believe in generational curses. That's something that. The old people would say, you know, foolish people. I believe it's untreated trauma. It's it's the traumatic slave syndrome. That's all it is. Untreated, untreated trauma. trauma. And then we and went, I go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and I and I say that because when I say untreated trauma, it's because our grandmothers taught our parents. Our parents taught us. They can only teach us what they know, and what they know was right by them. But when you know better, you do better. So when I say untreated trauma, you know, um, you know, back in the day, the old folks used to say, you know, whatever goes on in the house stays in the house. Mm -hmm. So you learn to take you learn to leave those things in the house, you mm-hmm. you know, and they try to fix things without the public knowing because of shame, because of guilt. They don't want other people outside of the home to judge them. So a lot of the things that happen, not just to me, but to my sisters, to my cousin, you know, they weren't, you know, justice was never served because they didn't know how to seek help or information outside of what they have been taught by their parents. Mm. That's 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 when you said shame and guilt. Let me let, let me. I'm digging into your mind right now because you 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 seem to be very comfortable, and I and I appreciate that. Um, yes. Did you ever feel guilty about what 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 was happening? Did you ever blame yourself? Well, I never at one point because I was kind of like a little tomboy. And I think that, um, you know, my aunt was raising me after my mother passed. So hanging around with the boys, I think that she misinterpreted me from being fast to being a tomboy. You know what I mean? I hung around the boys because I was boyish, not because I was frisky, but she had it the other way around. So a lot of times when things were going on, it was because you frisky or you this or you that. Um, the the guilt um, I really never felt guilty until um, my sister one day my, me and my sisters were having lunch and the same man that uh, molested me ended up molesting both of my sisters and as adults we were having lunch one day and she just looked at me out of the blue and was like why did you never tell and and that kind of you know that broke me down because I felt like if I had have done more or done something you know um, maybe it would have never gotten to them mm. but and I and I can remember you know she reminded me of this particular day when one of my aunts, when my sisters were brave enough to tell, um, you know, it was a whole family rocket. The guy who was accused, well, the guy who actually molested us, um, you know, the family had him out there and they were questioning him and, you know, he's ramping and raging like, I love those girls. I would never hurt those girls. But my little sisters, my baby sisters, they were saying, you know, you did touch me. You did. You did. So here our family have all the girls lined up. There's about seven girls, mm. me, my first cousin, my sisters. And um, 
You know, we're hearing this man saying, I will kill you for lying. I would do this. Y'all are liars. So by the time they got to the end of the line asking the girls, have you ever touched you? Me and my cousin said no. But, mm. you know, we lied because we didn't want to. We wasn't ready for all of that. We wasn't ready for the threats. We weren't ready for the family to be mad with us. We weren't ready. You know, we wasn't ready to face the family. Mm hmm. Because, you know, when a person gets an image to mm -hmm. somebody mm -hmm. and can do no wrong, mm -hmm. who are you? You know, if you're already one of those kids that's deemed to be a liar, mm -hmm. that's deemed to get in trouble all the time, that deemed to be fast. Who are you when you're going up against the family to a man that people respect mm -hmm. and trust and been around all their lives? Mm -hmm. So it's, it was like us against the world. Wow. And today, they see it differently today because you're able to speak about it today. Oh yes, mm -hmm. yes. How long? How long did it take for you to get to this point? Um, probably about five, maybe six years ago. I, oh wow, most recently. Yeah, it was definitely recently. I was, uh, I made a post on um, Facebook. It was just one day. I was just tired. I knew it was weight, and it was not too long after um, my sister and I had that that lunch. And I was like, you know, it's it's now or never. And when I put up the testimony on Facebook, it it just went across the world, and I started getting invites to do like monologues, to do speeches at churches, school, colleges. So the more and more. Um, invites I got, the more and more I had to dig, the more and more I had to expose, the more and more I got comfortable with with telling my story. Mm -hmm. And eventually that pride, you know, got pushed to the side because that pride was one reason why I never told my story. I didn't mm -hmm. want nobody to know that I got raped. I didn't want anybody to know that I peed in the bed till I was 14 years old. I didn't want anybody to know, you know, these things that I was abused. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These are things that you just don't want people to know about you because, right. you know, most people, they use things like that against you, not, you know, not to help you. I'm telling my story to help others. But if I was the same weak minded and person that was full of all this pride, I still would never tell it because I'm I'm always conscious of my character, right. what people think about me, how people are going to feel about me. But now it doesn't matter, you know, because my grandmother told me, you know, they Jesus hung, bled and died for us mm -hmm. and they still don't do what they should do by him. Wow. So who am I? Who am I? What do I? Why should I care what somebody has to say? Mm. You know? Well. I, I'm saying to you here tonight, I'm, I'm thanking you for coming through the Reflection Lounge and lending your voice to a cause that I think a lot more people need to speak out and, and, and be able to tell their stories because at the end of the day, that's where they're going to receive their deliverance. Being not, not saying, see, the word confrontational sometimes takes a, a negative turn you know but being able to confront what's in your life and, and being able to put it in front of you and stare it dead in the eye and say okay I'm no longer going to be bound by this I'm no longer going to have this to to weaken me I'm no longer going to have this to keep me bound and tied up I mean that is something that 
you're doing you're 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 loosening that knot you're no longer hey listen listen you you're going through because god is not through with you yet so you're you're finding your way through it you're you're making so and 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 let me get to this other part you're resilient you call yourself (laughs) the resilient one come on girl you know what i'm talking about of course because because and it's in your resiliency that you're showing the world like look i cannot be stopped hey look world take a look at me hey if you want to take a picture here i'll pose for you because right now my world is not the same world that it used to be because now what I'm doing, I'm changing. Well, because you know what psychology say? They said you have to do what they call a paradigm shift. You got to change the way you see the world because that's how you're going to act. So what you've done was you changed the way you were seeing yourself and now you're acting accordingly. I'm not going to preach to you tonight because it's already, <laughs> it's already almost 730. But what I want to go to right now is, 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 is help me out. Help me out. Okay. I know for a fact you're a religious individual. Oh yes. Uh, I, I, I mean, you don't even have to tell me. I just, I could just hear it in how you speak. I can hear it in how you speak. The word has got me through many a days. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it, it. I went to the Bible many times, and but, you know, it, but trust me, there came a time where my faith was tested big time mm-hmm. because I couldn't understand. At one point, I couldn't understand me, this one little girl. Why in the world would God allow so much to happen to one little girl when there's millions of people across mm-hmm. the world? Um, and, and, you know, but as it, when I began to question God, you know, I had this or to come over me. And, um, you know, it was like, who are you to even question me? And it just put me in a it put me in a space to have to re you know I had to check myself. I had to reevaluate what had, you were saying. I, I really had to reevaluate myself. Okay, but, but but you you but you let me tell you something. You was well within your rights. Cause yes. Because if, if you don't know your purpose and your destiny, we do question why we here. Come right. on, somebody. I mean, sometimes how we get to our destiny, we have to be pushed. And right. even though we go through dark, uh, we go through some dark moments. Even though we go through some dark moments, that doesn't mean that there wasn't a purpose behind it. There's right. there's there's a purpose for the pain. So let me ask you this question: Can you can you describe for me your darkest moment? Hmm, darkest. I got a few dark moments. Okay, well, um, let me, hey, if you want to take me through a couple to get to the darkest one, I'm I'm all ears. <laughs> I think um, one of my darkest moments came a time when I was um, in a domestic violence relationship and I felt like it was definitely no way out. Mm -hmm. You know, they talk about um, restraining orders. I did all of that. That restraining order meant nothing. Um, You know, I would call the police. He would run. They couldn't find him. When, When the police leave, he would show back up. And um, he made it clear that, you know, if he couldn't have me, nobody else would. Mm-hmm. So with believing that, you know, because of so much that we had already been through prior, the the fighting and the drawing of the guns and stuff like that, you know, I, I did have some fear. But it became, you know, there was a point where that's when I contemplated on suicide. But... You know, there was no way I could take myself out of a situation without taking my kids. Mm. So at one point in my life, I felt, you know, 
it had crossed my mind to kill my children and then take my own life. And, and, and trust me, it's not because I didn't love my kids. Um, I love my kids that much that I was willing to take them with me so that they wouldn't be here to endure the things that I endure because up until that point in my life, I seen nothing but negativity. I seen nothing but hurt. I seen nothing but pain. The only real love I had was coming from my children. Mm. You know, so if if people couldn't protect me, my family couldn't protect me. God ain't showing up. Mm. The police ain't coming out, you know. Mm -hmm. So it I felt that it would have been selfish for me to take myself away from all of this pain and leave my kids. Wow. But I um you know, I had to I really had to go into prayer. I, I really and it it had to be somebody praying for me mm -hmm. because at that time, you know, I was good and ready. I didn't care. Mm. I didn't care. Death to me, I felt like that was my only way out. So, wow, two things. You know, you answered one of my questions because I was going to ask you: Did you ever felt loved before, or did you ever allow yourself to to to, to love someone else? The thing was, is my love, the love I had for the individuals that did this to me, is what kept me hostage. Hmm. The love I had for God, for one, because God said, "Love your enemies," hmm. and how? And I used to ask, like, how? How many times do I have to forgive? Hmm. And I just kept forgiving. And I kept forgiving, and I kept praying, and I kept praying because I said, you know, at the time I wasn't a perfect person, and I knew I had made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I still believed in God, and I knew that God was keeping me, and I knew that God was forgiving me, and I knew that God was hearing my prayers. It just I was in state of confusions. Mm. So therefore, I felt like I had to forgive those who was hurting me, and I prayed because the people that I met wasn't the monsters that they became. Mm -hmm. The people that I fell in love with, um, you know, the drug, they weren't the monsters. It was the things, that, it was the extracurricular activities that caused them to become monsters, the drugs, the drinking. So I just prayed, like I said, I prayed and I prayed if I could just get them to stop you know, the drinking and drugs, they'll be back to where they were. If I can just continue to love them, they'll, they'll start to love me back. Um, you know, this is not him. This is not who he was. So I always waited. I always believed that the person I met would return. Hmm. So that's why I stayed so long in the situations that I was in. Wow. You said some powerful things. You said, if I, I felt like if I waited and then I love them, they would, they would change. And, uh -huh. and they never change. And I often say sometimes, you know, change got to come within. We can't change other people. We, yes. you know, we can. I mean, you could do what you just said. We can love on them. Right. You know, we can pray for them. But it's kind of hard to love and change somebody. I mean, they they, they got to want to change for themselves. Um, and I hope that I hope that resonates with someone tonight because, you know, there's somebody that's in a relationship right now. They know they need to leave this relationship because it's not healthy. It's toxic. You know, what do you say to that individual? What what advice can you give that individual? 
Now, as a person that's been in that relationship, been, that's been there, mm-hmm. and f- well, I'm gonna for the pay, for the people who's trying to help somebody in a relationship. Sometimes all you got to do is be quiet. Let yeah. them talk. Listen to them. We don't want to hear just leave because if it was that easy, we would leave. We would have been left. Nobody wants hold to on, stay on, in a situation. Hold on. When you when you drop a jewel like that, I, I may have to stop you. Go back a little bit. You said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry You said <laughs> We may not want to hear Just leave Because if we If it was just that easy We would have left Right Wow And, and, and you yeah. know what I'm guilty <laughs> I'm guilty I'm, I'm guilty that, that, that hit me Because you know Sometimes I would say to people Well like if You know if he's mistreating you Then leave Right. Not looking at the mindset at that point. You just go ahead, go ahead, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, and I say that because you know the the very same people that's telling us to just leave. Mm-hmm. You know we stay because it's foundation. We stay because the money is there. We stay. Everything is not bad. But when it's bad, it's bad. There are reasons why we stay. Like I said, that foundation mainly the stability. And, and it's, it's a norm. It becomes it becomes a norm. You know what you're going to endure on a day to day basis. So you get kind of prone to what's going to happen. Right. But at the same time, you have to be mindful to when you're telling somebody to just leave. Are you going to be there? Are you going to open your house up to that to that person and their mm-hmm. family? Mm-hmm. Are you going to financially support them? Mm-hmm. Are you going to go with them through the court cases? Mm. I mean, are you willing to physically fight with me if he show up? Like, these are the things that people don't think about. Just leave. So sometimes if a person comes to you and they're telling you what they're going through, that's that first sign of, of reaching out for help. And like I said, you should just listen. You, I think that when you're on the other side, you need to be that, that person's strength. You have to strengthen them up. You have to remind them of how beautiful they are. You have to remind them of their own strengths. You have to remind them. You have to give them the resources that's out there. You have to just let them know that you're there. Whatever you need me to do, I would do. Just let them know you're there because it comes a time when you keep telling a person just leave or you stupid or you this that person you're you're putting that person deeper into their own prison where they're gonna stop talking to you now they don't have anybody to tell uh, you know they don't have anybody to talk to about their abuse they don't have anybody to to vent to they don't have anybody because you've just taken away their you know their outlet right good point good point you don't need a phd to know that piece i i, I, I do say <laughs> i can say that much so listen man wow you know so many places we can go right now we're, we're talking with you right now um i know i know somebody said your testimony is very moving and uh I, I, and i have to concur that you know and i told you this before like ty i'm 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 impressed i'm impressed <laughs> not only let's let not only that you're talking, but you turned it around to create something that's going to help others. Yes. You're paying it forward. You're, you're not just seeing it and saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to talk about this and this is what I'm going to do. No, you, you, you're doing something about it. You, you, you're yeah. making moves to make sure that this may not happen to somebody else. And if it does, this is how I can help this person get through. 
I really had that opportunity. I know. I really, I mean, one specific opportunity I had, and it was still, when you talk about generational curses, like I said, I don't believe in the generational curses, but I do believe in the untreated trauma, but these things were steadily happening inside of my family, not directly with me um, or my siblings, but my little cousins and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we had, I had the opportunity um you know, I seen a little girl. When I seen this little girl, I seen me and this little girl. I seen her shut in. I seen her. It, it was just something about her that was me. Mm. So I started getting close to this little girl. And, and this little girl, my first cousin, a male, was dating her mother. Mm-hmm. And so when I would go over there, she would always be in the room, always be in the room. And I said, what are you doing in the room? Come out. She said, I'm in trouble. I said, I would go back in there and I will say, well, what did you do this time? And she would say, I don't know. Then I will leave and I'll come back. And another day she's in the room. I'll go back in the room with her. I said, well, what, you want to come and spend the night with me? She said, I can't. I'm, I'm on punishment. I said, for what? She said, I don't know. I didn't do anything. So I worked my way up. I knew it was something. I worked my way up until my cousin felt comfortable with letting her stay with me. And during that particular night, we had like a girl's night and we, we talked about unwanted touches and you know we would have our little hyper cider and stuff like that while the adults drank wine and out of this little girl's night um she disclosed that my cousin was touching her Mm. so of course you know i was like oh my gosh i gotta do something i couldn't help myself i couldn't help my sisters but this is my opportunity right so um of course um i think that God, uh, the devil must have let him know that Ota is on the move because he, he he came he was supposed to pick her up the following day but he picked her up the same night and she was like I don't want to go and I said you go and I would pick you up from the school and it just um, I picked her up from the school the very next day and then I ended up having custody of her a week later mm. wow. <laughs> yeah but we went through that family the same thing I wasn't able to do when I was younger I was able to do it for her as an adult I faced my family I didn't care what they had to say I got those same things why are you doing this to the family I'm not doing it to the family I said if she's wrong or she's fibbing then we have to deal with that later but I'm not going to stand by and wait to see if or if not Right. so so your mother passed away at 8 yes Uh, your father? Um, he was murdered when I was 11. <laughs> so both parents were murdered by the, by the age of 12, by the age of 11, as a matter of fact. Of course, and yes. Do you have any brothers that were there to protect you? Um, you know, I had a brother. My brother that resided with us, um, he stayed ill all the time because he had sickle cell, the disease. Mm-hmm. Um but no and my brother I don't even think my brother was not aware of what was going on because mm-hmm. you know because he was a sickly child mm-hmm. everybody loved him you know mm-hmm. they loved him he didn't receive the same treatment as I did okay I was kind of like the black sheep okay okay so let me let me let me ask you this question uh, you know I got a lot of questions you know yeah because um, you, you you have a lot of stuff you know so <laughs> I got to get yes. to it. So when you when you went through that whole process, you said your brother was sick. Did you ever thought about self-medicating yourself? 
I did. You know, and you know what I mean, right? Yes. Okay, cool. I did. Um, it, it, and it, well, when my brother, and that was the, one of the times that I had contemplated um, suicide at mm-hmm. my younger days. I knew that he had this medicine, mm-hmm. and I knew that it was, um, you know, some strong medicine because it was his pain. And I and I thought about it, but I didn't. I didn't want to leave my sisters and brother. Wow. Yes. You have a reoccurring theme. I mean, I know it was hard for you to love somebody. And I know it was hard for you to find trust in somebody. But you always showed it. Like, you, you, yeah. didn't, you didn't want your kids to suffer, you know, if, if you was to leave. You didn't want to leave them behind and they have to endure anything possibly close or remotely close to what you went through. You didn't want, I mean, like, your heart was pure. Your heart was pure. And, and, and when you look back at that, do you ever sometimes wonder why God wired you the way he wired you? Did you ever want it to be, feel like you could be something different or you should be reacting differently? Um, I feel... I know that I'm cut from it. I always say I'm cut from a different cloth. I to today I feel like God allowed me to go through certain things because somebody out here needs me. I feel like in my heart, I feel like um I'm that person. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I can look at a I can look at a, at a woman and I can tell you by looking at a woman how she moves, mm-hmm. how she flinches, how she dresses if she's being abused, if she's being sexually assaulted. It's just something in me. And by the time I have conversations with that person, um, it, I, I, it verifies that I was right. I mean... I don't know and it did affect my life you know I'm I feel like I'm a pretty strong person at this point but I had to go through it to get to it my relationships were damaged you know um normal touches wasn't right to me sometimes a simple kiss felt Mm -hmm. disgusting Mm -hmm. you know after sex with somebody that loved me I felt dirty Mm. I mean I had to really I had to really get through it like it was, you know, at going through life and not having control over things that were rightfully mine. When I got to be an adult, I started um, treasuring those things, like mm-hmm. my body. Mm-hmm. And even when I was, in, you know, even when I'm in a relationship, like I don't, I don't. If I don't want to do something, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that was, <laughs> and, and I still have that problem today. But because I've communicated and I'm, I'm open with what happened to my significant other, he understands. So when those days come where I just don't want to be held or something, we talk, mm-hmm. you know. And he understands. He doesn't take it personal. Okay. So he's understanding. He's very understanding. Did you ever go? Did you ever go to counseling for this? I did. Okay. Um, and that came, <laughs> um, like I said, I've been working in the Department of Juveniles for 15 years. And at one time, um, I ended up working in the sex offender unit. And it didn't bother me until one day I sat on a panel and I was able to hear what with, I was able to hear what one of the offenders did to a child. And it took me somewhere. Um, 
it took me somewhere to where I was unable to work that unit. I actually had to take six months off from work because I contemplated, you know, they, even even the juveniles had started seeing me differently. They said I was acting differently. Um, I didn't want them to touch me. I didn't want, it was just a lot. Yeah, so that was the first time I actually went to counseling. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining in, you know, I have Miss Braxton here from Virginia. Uh, she is telling her story. God is not through with me yet. I want y'all to know she's the resilient one. And she calls her that so she calls herself that for a reason. And we're learning tonight why she's the resilient one. And this is only part one, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, she has more to come. But let's transition. There's different devils for different levels. Yes. Does that mean anything to you? Yes. At, um, <laughs> at different stages of my life, when I said different devils for different levels, that means, you know, when I was younger, it was the the child abuse and the molestation and then when I became a little older it was the drugs and the you know the alcohol and abuse and then the rapes and then when I became an adult it was dealing with the domestic violence it was and and that's why I said I had to really go through it to get through to get to it okay so so take me through that so you 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 we we went through the the, the sexual abuse phase right and yes. you said you then did the alcohol and drug abuse you know that was were you were you deep in it were you did you have your kids at the time or this was before your kids like talk to me I, yes um my my drug abuse started uh i was in a physical altercation with my um with one of my kids father and i ended up um breaking my wrist mm -hmm. um so you know they gave me some narcotics for the pain and i started taking the narcotics for the pain but then i started realizing that i was feeling good not only did the pain go away but i was feeling different so i went from taking the prescribed dose maybe one every maybe one every two hours or two every four hours to doubling it so now i'm floating now i'm taking myself away from everything mm -hmm. and um but before i really became an addict i realized that i was like, like this is not me this is not me. So I reached out to my best friend. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm doing something wrong. And she was like, what? What are you doing? I said, um, I'm just popping these pills left and right, but I feel good. Mm. And um, she was like, no, you got to do something. So she came over and she took the bottle prescription from me. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much the last time. Well, around that time that I kind of slowed down with taking the narcotics. So anytime the doctor would prescribe it to me, I would say, no, you know, I don't want that because mm -hmm. I knew where I was headed the first gotcha. time. Gotcha. Okay. So now you, you took us through the sexual abuse. You took us through the, uh, the addiction piece. You know, um, I'm pretty sure there's more to it, you know, and, and, you know, at some point, maybe in part two, we get deeper into it. It depends on you and your comfortability. But let me ask you this one question now. Um, talk to me about the mental abuse. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> where can I start from? The beginning. 
from the beginning the mental abuse it, it actually started as as a child of course mm-hmm. you know um because i i look more like my father's side mm-hmm. so i always heard that you know you you ain't gonna be nothing you're gonna be just like those people and you know it was just down all talk mm-hmm. um then as I, you know, got older with my baby's father, I got children. Ain't nobody going to want you. You ain't got nothing. Look at you. I mean, it, basically, <laughs> it just made me feel like I was the at the bottom of the barrel. Who wants a woman with two kids and living in a, a low-income housing and no nothing? You need me. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you you encountered this, and you pretty much you know internalized it. How did you get through it? How how did you work yourself through it? As time went on, mm-hmm. it was I, I made it my business to be everything that somebody said I wasn't. Wow. Going to be. Wow. If you said I was going to be a bum. I wasn't gonna be a bum, so I did everything I needed to do to be a, to not be a bum. Wow. If you said I was gonna be a whore like my aunts or uncles or whoever, I'm gonna show you that I'm not gonna be with but one person. You know, mm-hmm. everything that they, they say everything that they had said I was gonna be, I just replayed it. Okay. Oh, they said I'm gonna do this, so I'm not gonna do this. The they said I'm gonna drop out of school and do this, so I'm gonna graduate. Mm-hmm. I proved it. It was nothing that I was proving to anybody else per se, mm-hmm. but I wanted to prove it to myself. Wow. You are not what they say you are. You're not. You're not your circumstances. Okay. I, I am that. not. I like that. I like my that. My past will not dictate my future. I've always said that. Your past won't dictate your future. Wow. So, girl, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching through this podcast. Um, listen, you have you have said that people did mental abuse towards you. Have you ever tried to do it back? Of course. That's what I. Of want. course. Yes. Um, I turned into a bully during school. You know, I would. I would. When people would pick on me, I would pick on somebody else that I knew was where I felt that was beneath me. Mm. Um, and it, it made me feel good. You know, I didn't feel bad about it, but at, once I got older, I looked back and, you know, I felt horrible. But at that time, that's the only strength I had. Mm. That was the only strength I had was is making somebody else feel the way that I felt. And even in the domestic violence relationship, it was one point where we came in our lives where, you know, he promised that he wouldn't put his hands on me. And then I became the aggressor because I felt like, you know, you hit me before. Now I'm going to hit you hmm. um, with the with the thoughts that he would never hit me back. But, you know, eventually he started to fight me again. So, you know, that didn't last long. Hmm. Which leads me to and listen, we gotta save something for uh for part two, but this is this is just too good. I think we still got more. I mean, what do you think? Uh, we got more. You got you got more? All right. We got All more. Right. Let's 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 dive yeah, I'm talking deep. Oh yeah, I'm talking you're talking you're talking, I'm forty one years old. You're talking at least thirty years of my life mm. that's been that that's 
I had to I had to walk in those shoes for thirty something years, and even though I wear only a size eight and a half, <laughs> there are women out here that would never be able to walk in my shoes and to be mentally sane. Wow. Some of the things that I've been through, I look back and said, "Crazy is like, how did you?" But I know how I did it. It was the grace. It was the grace because at no time, you know, no matter how much of of me was touched and abused mm-hmm. and neglected, mm-hmm. they could never touch my joy. They could never touch my soul. Mm. They could never. So as long as that joy stayed lit, I knew I had some. I had hope. That hope always stayed alive. Can 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 we? I know I want to get into the physical abuse, but I want to touch up on that piece right there. Can we stay there for a second? Let's stay there. Okay. All right. When, what, what, and when did you decide to turn back to God and trust Him this time? Because you said you was trusting Him the first time, and you said that you know He wasn't there. You know what? Well, you at least you felt He wasn't there. You know, or He didn't protect you at that moment. What made you decide to to believe this time and, and trust in him and knowing that right now he has your back? Um, it, it's well, it was actually two events. There was one um, one night I was just drinking. Like I, I think I was just overwhelmed with just everything, life itself. And I was kind of I, I was in my bedroom and I was drinking my alcohol and and I was just I was just drunk, just reflecting, you know. I and and I used to tend to turn into back into that little eight year old girl still waiting for her mother. Um, and at that particular time, I had turned into that eight year old girl. And I was drinking and I started arguing with God. I started fussing and I started asking like, you know, why me? Why me, Lord? I, all these people, you chose me. And um, at that particular time, my son walks into the room and he just walks over. He said, you know, I will always love you, right, mama? Wow. And I'm like, yeah. He said, you know, I will never leave you. So at that instant, something came over. And I, I remember the, the wow. scripture. Um, I would never, never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. And so I started to repent at that very moment. Mm. And um, it was must have been maybe like a, a sometime after that, um, when I was basically in the fight for my life, that's mm-hmm. when I knew that's the first time I really felt that me and God was conversating. It mm-hmm. wasn't what I heard him say. We were conversating in the midst of me fighting for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, the Me and my baby's father, we got into a really big fight. And this time it was it was way different. You know, when it's different, um, I looked at him. And when I looked into his eyes, he wasn't the same person. He wasn't, he wasn't himself. Mm. I was fighting somebody demonic. Mm. And no matter what I did, I could not win. I could not gain the upper hand. Um, Instantly, I started praying to myself, God, if you help me to get out this one, I promise you I won't go back. Mm. And it was like a joke. I felt like 
God took me for a joke because I had said that to him so many times and so many times I went back to situations, not just abuse, just situations Mm. that he brought me out of. I went back and I did it again because God is who he said he was Mm. and he would always get me out. And then this particular time, like I said, I said, God, if you help me get out of this one, I promise you I won't come back. I won't go back. And it was like he laughed at me. And I'm steady fighting. And I'm saying, God, where are you? I need you right now. And I'm still fighting for my life. I'm still fighting for my life. Mm. And I'm, and then all I feel myself getting weak. And everything just starts to get dark. And... I hear him saying, you know, you're going to you're going to die today. But I knew in my heart I wasn't ready to die because my kids is here. My Mm. kids needed their mother. Mm -hmm. I was not. My kids was not about to live the life that I live. That's all I could think about. How old were they at the time? Um, My my son was three. My baby boy was about three. Mm -hmm. And the older ones were about. 13, 14. Okay, all right, wow. Um, the, the ages might be a little off right now because I'm that's talking fine. That's fine. fast, yeah, but that's they were fine. they were babies. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could see is who's going to raise my kids? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? They're going to be in a house. Somebody's going to do this to them. They're going to do that. So I went into survival mode, but I didn't. I, I stopped fighting with my strength and I started talking, really talking to God and not from the head. I talked to him from the heart and I and I and he heard me and I knew he heard me. And I, I knew instantly that, um, you know, I, I knew that I had been saved at that moment, mm. at that moment. But as soon as I started to gain control of that situation, I went back into my own fight. I mm-hmm. took it back out of the hands of God and I started to take care of this by wow. myself. Wow. And at this particular time, I had a, a pistol and I just, you know, I went to get the pistol. And when I grabbed the pistol, he shows me the clip. So he had already got to my gun mm-hmm. and he was holding the clip. So now I'm really in the fight of my life. Mm-hmm. So at that particular time, I just knew I just I just fell and I just gave it all to God. I took my hands off of it and I just said, whatever you will have me to do, whatever is going to happen tonight, Lord, I accept. Mm. Yes. And from that point on, you've just been serving God. From that point on, I've been serving God without doubt. Because I've always served God and I've always loved God. But now I serve him wholeheartedly. I, when I ask him something, I believe it. And I, when I give him something, I leave it there. I take my hands completely off because I realize when you give something to God, mm-hmm. as long as you keep your hands on it, he's going to allow you to Preach. go through with whatever you're going through. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to trust him, I need to trust him 100%. 100%. Preach. Preach. It's in the yes. word. That's the word right there, girl. That's yes. the word. Said if you come to me in prayer and you believe with no doubt, whatever you ask for, you shall receive. Yes. You know. And I reminded him, you know, and, and I and when I talk to God, I talk to God like I'm talking to my friend. I said, God, you said on heaven, <laughs> you said on earth, you said on earth. Mm-hmm. As it is in heaven So Father God I'm asking you for these things now mm. And I'm trusting you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to trust God For you At this At this point no mm. 
because I, I just believe that everything is not for me to understand. Um, and with trusting in him, I just I just go. Mm-hmm. Wherever he will have me to go, I go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just trust that he'll he will let me know when I've completed my assignment. So I just go. I go blindsided because I know he's gonna guide me. So you said when I complete my assignment. Listen, uh, uh wow, man, an hour went by fast. Didn't that go by fast to you? It did. Oh my gosh. I mean <laughs> and it's and it's, it's uh we have uh, another show coming up after this. Please! 